I want you to turn tonight to the last verse we read this morning, First uh, John chapter 2, the last part of verse 2. Uh, I didn't have time to cover that phrase, and then I want to add some more to that. And I'm glad that God's perfect plan, it says, sin not, but God's perfect perception. He knew that we would, and he sent God's perfect person. Jesus Christ, the righteous. His name is Jesus Christ. His character is the righteous. His office, his work is he is the advocate. And this morning we ran out of time in verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. Remember the word to pitch means to cover, to paint, to take out of sight. And they pitched the ark within and without and made it waterproof, which made it judgment-proof. And I'm glad Jesus Christ is our ark of safety. And I'm not waterproof, but I'm fireproof. And I'm glad between me tonight and the flames of hell is the propitiating blood of Christ. And that word means not only to paint, but it means to hide from sight. It means literally to cover. The word atone. And you remember the first time you read that word atonement in the Bible. It's when the high priest would take the sacrifice, the blood of the sacrifice, and go behind the veil and on the mercy seat that sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. He would put that blood and it would atone, it would cover, it would roll back the payment of sin for one year. But next year, same time, same station, he had to do it again. But all of that is nothing more than a picture, a foreshadow of someone who was greater that was to come, that did come. Glory. And his name is Jesus. He is the ark of safety. His blood is perpetuating. And I'm glad he is the final atonement for our sins. We never have to do it again. We never, he doesn't have to condescend to the womb of the virgin again. He doesn't have to preach in Gethsemane again, pray in the garden. He doesn't have to stand before Pilate again. He doesn't have to die upon the cross again. He doesn't have to go to the grave again. He doesn't have to ride again because once was enough. And I'm glad through that one death, that one burial, that one resurrection, There's enough power in that to save any and every sinner. Hallelujah. That will come by the way of the cross. Jesus Christ is our propitiation. Because he lives, we have salvation. Because his blood will never lose its power. We have eternal salvation. And I'm thankful for that. But notice the last part of verse number 2. Not only is he propitiation... But notice what he talks about in verse number 2. I believe verse number 2 addresses man's greatest problem and it announces God's greatest gift. Let me say that again. I believe verse 2 addresses man's greatest problem, but it announces God's greatest gift. All right, what is man's greatest problem? And he is the perpetuation for our mistakes, our failures, 
our hang-ups, and we got a plenty. But man's not got mistakes and hang-ups and discrepancies. Man's greatest problem, and he is the perpetuation for our, sit with me, sins. And not ours only, but also for the what? Sins of the whole world. In fact, man's greatest problem is addressed in both of these verses. The word sin appears four times in these two little verses. Notice back in verse number one, my little children, these things are out unto you that ye do what? Sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But notice how it's grown. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's just not an accident that sin becomes sins. And it's not an accident that it's mentioned four times in these verses. Because the first time it's mentioned, you have the presence of sin. You have the presence of sin. Sin is in the world. Then you have, secondly, the commission of sin. If any man sin. In other words, sin is in the world, and a lot of us, most of us, in fact, all of us, has done some of it. But I'm glad the presence of sin, I'm glad the commission of sin, God's greatest gift was, He is an advocate, and He is our perpetuation for our plural sins. And notice he said, our sins, referring to the Christian, referring to the believer, referring to the child, referring to us as individuals. Can I say this today? He is my advocate. He is your advocate. He is my propitiation. He is your propitiation. He is God's gift to me. He is God's gift to you. Uh, he is, I love to preach the Bible. He is my Lord. He is your Lord. He is my Savior. He is your Savior. He is my Redeemer. He is your Redeemer. He is my forgiver. He is your forgiver. Circle that word ours and have a shouting spell. Aren't you glad the saints of God have an advocate? Aren't you glad the saints of God have a perpetuator? Aren't you glad the saints of God have somebody pleading our case? Coming to our aid to help us in the time of need. I'm glad he is ours. If there's anybody in this room tonight, trust that Jesus Christ as your Savior and your faith is in the blood of Jesus Christ, you can lift both hands and say, Hallelujah, He's our Savior. Our Savior. And He is the perpetuation and the advocate for our sins. But, but, well, glory. 
And when I didn't think it couldn't get any better, God said, read the rest of it. And he is not only the propitiation, he is not only the advocate for our sins, and that's enough to get you on shouting ground. But then he says, not ours only. We're living in a world where everybody wants to be included. We got to be more inclusive. Well, I can tell you this, when it comes to salvation and being forgiven and being right with God, we're all included. And none are excluded. Because he said, verse number two, not ours only, and here's my text, but also, but also, if that isn't enough, but also, not ours only, but also for the sins. And I love his description, the sins of the whole world. Anybody here tonight saved? He is our advocate. He is our propitiation. But he's not just ours. He's the propitiator. He wants to be the advocate for the sins, plural, of the whole world. I mean, it rocks my mind that he died for me. It rocks my mind that he died for you. It blows my mind that he died for the church. Those that would receive him, those that would love him, those that would follow him, those that would even praise him for it. But what's mind-boggling to me, he not only died for me and for you and the church, And those that would love him and praise him for it. But ladies and gentlemen, according to the word of God, he died, paid the price, perpetuated, wants to be the advocate of the sins of America, Canada, Mexico, The North American continent, the South American continent, no. But for the sin, said with me, of the whole world. He is not only an individual Savior. He is not only a collective Savior. He is the universal Savior. The whole world God bled for The whole world he wants to advocate for. The whole world he offered his blood to perpetuate, to appease, to atone, to rid, to cover, to remove from sight their sins. Ladies and gentlemen, God chose all and rejects none. You know, I enjoyed that so much, I think I'm going to say that again. Now, you fellas take homiletics. They tell you not to repeat yourself. But this ain't homiletics. This is church. God did not exclude any, but included everyone. And boy, that phrase got on me. For the sins of the 
whole world. And more this hit me last night. I wonder what God's world view is. Now, when the Bible talks about the whole world, that's a big place. That includes billions and billions of people. And I just wonder what God's view of the whole world really is. And then as I was reading this text, three other verses of Scripture came flooding in my heart. And I looked them up to make sure I was right. And there I saw God's view of the whole world. Now, I had these boys put up a map of the world with the five continents there. And I'm telling you, that is a big place. You say, well, it don't look too big to me. Well, you start over there on that side. And you walk over there to that other side. You cover all of North America. You cover all of South America. That little bitty piece up there called Europe. That big old piece called Africa. That big piece called Asia. And even go to the land down under, they say it's Oceania, but we call it Australia. You walk all over that place, that's a whole lot of dirt. But on top of that dirt is billions and billions of people. And when God says the whole world, that's a whopping piece of real estate. But my Bible tells me that he is the propitiation for not just our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, I know tonight you can't literally walk up there and put your finger on that map or on that diagram. But let me say it like this. If you could walk up to that map, you could put your finger on any one of those continents and you would not find, are you ready, one single person and one single sin that this verse does not cover and take care of. Wow. I mean, It blows my mind that he's the perpetuation for all the sins in this here room. I mean, just let me be honest with you. I mean, it's mind-boggling that, I mean, he's the perpetuation for my sins. You say, well, are they? I hope you never find out. I tell you what, you just talked to my sisters, bless God. They never forgot nothing stupid I've ever done. Neither has yours. But it's mind-boggling that he took my sins. But add me and you and all of us in this room. Wow. And then our city, our county, the state of Georgia, Texas. More there's a lot of wicked sinners in Texas. And, and think about Alabama. Mississippi, 
And, and then what about our northern friends, man? Our guys from Indiana, you know, man? Praise the Lord and Ohio. And I mean, America. This is a pretty big ball of dirt we live on. And then north of us, our Canadian brethren, Central America, South America, over there in Europe, Asia, that's a big old spot. Africa, that's a big old spot. You can't even run from God's salvation plan in the land down under. There's not one place you can put your finger on this map that verse number two does not cover. Now I'm telling you, I'm close to shouting right there now. He is the propitiation for our sins. Wow. But not for ours only. But for the sins of the whole world. We might need Brother Harper to come back up here and sing one more time. Oh, what a Savior. And as I realized these verses and that word world, I saw God's world view. Quick look at these verses. Turn over to chapter number 5 of 1 John. And look in verse number 19. Look at 1 John chapter 5 verse number 19. And we know that we are not, that we are of God. Now read this last part out loud with me. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. Say that with me. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. Let's say it one more time. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. Beside of that verse, write down this phrase, the condition of society. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you could not walk up to this map and put your finger on one spot of it where you will not find sin, the curse of sin, the tragedy of sin, the pillage of sin, the cost of sin, and the wages of sin. Let me say it like this. You couldn't put your finger on any spot of those white places on that map where there is not a sinner in need of a Savior. I mean, you can't look at it and say, well, I'll tell you right now, that North American continent, boy, there's a bunch of sinners up there, and, and that uh, Central America, that's a bunch of sinners there, and over there in South America or Brazil, there's a bunch of sinners. And I, no, you can't put your finger on any place on the map of the world where there is not sin and the price of sin and the cost of sin and the tragedy of sin, and there's no place on planet Earth where there is not a living breathing human being that's in need of a Savior because the whole world is undergoing the curse and the wages of sin. You can't put your finger on any place on that map where there's not sin and a sinner in need of a Savior. You say, Brother Joe, that's kind of a negative worldview. I ain't done. Turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter number 3. 
in verse 16. Well, glory. Same writer on the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit. John the Beloved in the Gospel of John. Same man, the Apostle John of 1st, 2nd John, 3rd, 2nd John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and Revelation. You ready? John chapter 3, verse 16. Here's God's worldview. You ready? For God so loved. Wow. For God so loved America. For God so loved Canada. For God so loved us frozen chosen here at Harvest Tabernacle Church. For God so loved the author family. For God so loved the Moats family. Or if you say it like Syria, call Joseph Moats. I'm calling Joseph Moats. The Cron family. You ought to hear Sarah say that. I'm here to tell you tonight, he loves them Roy's. Them sorry, low down, wicked Roy's. He loves them. Amen. That Watley, that whole Watley bunch. And I know they're wicked because I pastored every one of them but one sister. And she's the only one that's sane. But that don't speak well at me because I ruin them all. Earl, you hang on. You all we got left here, the Watleys. What about them old, uh, well, I, I'm not going to start calling names. Because some of you got family secrets you don't want let out. But I'm looking at you. God loved every one of you. God loved every one of you. Isn't that awesome? For God so loved the Arthur family. God so loved uh, <laughs> the Roy family. God so loved the Moich family. I mean, God so loved. God so loved Jonesboro. God so loved Clayton County. God so loved Georgia. God so loved Alabama. God so loved America. But it says, for God so loved the world. North American continent. South American continent. Europe. Asia. Africa. And the land down under. God loves them all. Now, let me apply this same rule. I said a while ago, you can't walk up here and put your finger on any spot on those white places and not find sin and the cost of sin and the price of sin and a sinner in need of a Savior. But on the heels of that, I want to say, you can't walk up there and put your finger on one spot on any of those continents that Jesus didn't love and go to the cross and shed his blood for the whole world. Wow. You can't go up there and put your finger on any spot and any person that Jesus Christ didn't love enough to go to Calvary for. I've heard this statement my whole life. Now, there's limits to everything. Really? Oh, yeah, Brother Joe, there's limits. There's only so much money to spend. I don't think Washington knows that. Brother Joe, there's only so much time on the clock. Brother Joe, there's only so much sin a man can commit. I mean, Brother Joe, there's limits to everything. Surely 
all things must come to an I want to tell you what has no end. What has no limit. What has no boundaries nor borders. What could that be, Brother Joe? Oh, love of God. Woo! That's something else they teach in homiletics. Don't act like you enjoy your own preaching. But if I didn't enjoy my own preaching, it wouldn't get enjoyed because most people don't. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. If we would think the ocean field and the sky was parchment made and every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Dottie Rambo said if that isn't love the ocean is dry and the sparrow can't fly and if that isn't love then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this. If that isn't love the old him of the faith says I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me now safe am I water baptism didn't lift me church membership did not lift me money or good works did not lift me but when nothing else could help Redeeming love, saving love, supernatural love, the love of God, for God so loved the world. Wow. You can't put your finger on one spot where you'll not find sin and the cost and the pillage and a man who's in need of a Savior. But glory to God, aren't you glad there's not one spot up there that you'll find a place or a person God didn't love enough to send Jesus Christ to be the perpetuation, not for ours only, but say it with me one more time, for the sins of the whole world. The condition of society, the compassion of the Savior. But in closing tonight, one more scripture. Turn back to Mark chapter number 16. And look in verse number 15. God's worldview. God's view of the world. When God views the world, he sees a world where sin is everywhere. God's view of the world, sin and the cost of it is everywhere. The condemnation and the wages and the pillage of it is everywhere. The condition of society, it's everywhere. Oh, but for the compassion of the Savior, for God so loved that world and every place on it that he gave his only begotten son. Isn't it amazing that God put whosoever and the world in the same verse? Can I just run that bush one more time? It's amazing that God put the word world and the word whosoever in the same verse. But notice this one more time. This word world is mentioned. 
God's worldview. There's not a place up there that there's not somebody that needs a Savior. There's not a place up there that Jesus Christ didn't die for and offer salvation. Watch this. Mark chapter number 16, verse 15. He's getting ready to go back into heaven. On the other side of the cross. And he's giving Mark's version of the great commission. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not as a suggestion, but as a command. Read it with me. And he said unto them, go ye into... Wow. All the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Say that with me again. Go ye into all the world. Say that with me again. Go ye into all. One more time. I'm liking it. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now follow my same vein of thought. You can't take your finger and walk up there and touch a spot where you won't find sin, the cost of it, and somebody in need of a Savior. Because that's the condition of society. Also, you can't walk up there with your finger and touch any spot and find any person that God did not love enough to send His Son Jesus to offer propitiation, the compassion of the Savior. With that same thought, according to this verse, you can't walk up to this map and put your finger on one spot that we as God's church are not personally responsible to get the gospel to. That's the commission of the saints. Yes, I'm glad that You can't touch a spot where there's not a man in need of a Savior. We all agree to that. And you can't touch a spot that Jesus didn't love enough to die for. But that same whole world is our vision, is our field, is our goal. And you cannot put your finger on one spot that we as God's church is not personally and eternally responsible to take the gospel. I gather the same verse that says the whole world lieth in the lap of the wicked one. And the same word that God so loved the world is the same one he's referring to in this scripture. When he said, go ye into all the world And preach the gospel to every creature. You can't put your finger on a spot where there's not a sinner. You can't put your finger on a spot where there's not enough love of God to save every sinner. And we can't put our finger on one spot that we are not personally responsible to see. They hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Sad to say, a lot of these little spots that you'll see on this map of the world 
are closed to the gospel. And I, I hate to tell you, but north of us, our sister country, Canada, they're tightening the noose every year a little bit tighter. Even in-touch ministries, Dr. Stanley has, has had to go off some of the stations in Canada because, you know, he says, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And that is offensive to them. Right after the parish started singing that song about, I walked by the tomb of Buddha, looked inside and saw his bones. And he talks about, you asked me how I, you know that song they sing about the resurrection. They were singing that in Canada. And the pastor came to them in trembling after the service and said, I believe that, but please don't sing that here again. And I'm telling you, do not sing that again as long as you're touring Canada. The wrong person will hear that and they will charge you and incarcerate you for a hate crime because you're saying something against somebody's religion. Is it not amazing to you as long as you're bashing Christianity, you can say what you want to about another person's religion, but you better not say nothing about anything else. And let me run one rabbit while I'm here. You moms and dads don't have any business letting your children listen to rap music or any other kind of music where some uh, half-wit brain gets up and makes fun of this nation and downs this nation and scoffs this nation and our heritage and our tradition and our God. That ain't got nothing to do with my sermon. Don't preach like that in homiletics or you'll flunk, but it ain't homiletics. And they're tightening the noose in Canada. I'm telling you what, they're trying to tighten the noose in the good old United States of America. I may not live to see this, but I believe these younger preachers are going to see a religious stranghold that I believe no other generation before us has ever seen. But sad to say, some of these places on this map, even though I'm responsible, are closed to the gospel. Some of them do not want the gospel. Some of them have rejected the gospel. You say, what do we do about that, preacher? Well, them that we cannot go, them we cannot send, we pray for them and we beg God through the power of the Holy Spirit to break down that wall, open that gate, unhook that chain, and may that nation be open to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I am to reach beyond my family, and beyond my church, and beyond my city, and beyond my state, and beyond my nation. I'm a part of the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. And I, as a Christian, am responsible that the whole world hears the gospel. You can't find a place up there where there's not a sinner. Anybody agree to that? And you can't find a place up there where there's not a Savior willing to save every sinner. And you can't find a place up there that we are not responsible to get the gospel to. What is God's worldview? Well, God views the world that 
They're lost and they need a Savior. What is God's worldview? He loves them so much, He died for all of them. And what is God's worldview? He has sent the church to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm amazed at how, as I travel across the country, I'm amazed at how little some of even our so-called fundamental churches have such a small vision and a small idea of what the Great Commission is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the world is our field. And if he tasted death for every man, let's tell every man. If he's the perpetuation not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world, let's take that message to them. Because I just believe tonight there's no person on planet earth that doesn't need a Savior. And I don't believe there's no person on planet earth that God doesn't love. And I don't believe there's one living, breathing human being on planet earth that God is not willing to save. And I believe tonight that God wants you and I to take this message to the world. And what a message. That he's just not my Savior. He's just not our Savior. But for the sin. Of the whole world. Aren't you glad he's not just a personal savior? He's not just a collective savior. But he is a universal savior. I'm glad the Bible said he loved me and gave himself for me. I'm glad the Bible said he loved the church and gave himself for it. But I'm glad the Bible said for God so loved the world that he gave. Tonight, you could take a telescope and get a far-out glimpse, and you can see the love of God. And I'm glad you can get a microscope and look up at it real close and see the love of God. You know what our message is? Jesus is our Savior, and He wants to be your Savior too. I was in a meeting a while back, and this fellow gave an illustration. He said, I was preaching one night, and God began to move. And said, a young boy in his 20s came down to the altar. Nobody else came with him, so I thought I would go pray with the young man. And I said, I knelt beside of him, and I said, what's your problem? That young man said to this preacher, he said, I'm lost. I need to be saved. He said, well, let me share the gospel with you. He said, I know what it says. He said, well, let me take you down the Roman road. He said, I know it by heart. He said, well, let me pray with you. He said, there's no need because God won't save me. He won't save me. I've asked him and asked him and asked him and God won't save me. And I said to that guy, I said, what would you do? He said, I sent him back to his seat. And as far as I know, he's still lost. Now listen, I'm not a know-it-all. I don't claim to be. 
but I wished I could have been there. I would not have sent him back to his seat. That guy that sent him back said, well, evidently you're not under enough conviction. Can I ask you a question? How much is enough is enough? I hear people say, well, that guy really got saved. Can I ask you a question? What's the difference between being saved and really saved? About as much difference as dead and really dead. Let's say if I wanted to kill some cats. Boy, don't that sound good? Let's say I wanted to kill some roaches. And I killed some with a fly flap. <laughs> or I killed some with my foot. <laughs> they dead. There is no degrees of dead. There ain't no such a thing as dead, really dead, sure enough dead, wild dead. Dead's dead. And there's no such a thing as lost and really lost and bad lost. Lost is lost. And Richard Poole, there ain't no difference between saved and sure enough saved and really saved and hallelujah saved. Saved, saved, saved. He said, I told him he wasn't under enough conviction. I said, how much is enough is enough. Let me say this tonight. If you know you need to be a... If you know you need to be saved, that's enough. If you know you are lost and need to be saved, dear God, that's enough. You say, Brother Joe, are you smarter than that guy? Yes. I'll go ahead and admit it. But this is what I'd have said to the boy. Son, don't go back to your seat. But Brother Joe, he said, he won't save me. Son, you're not talking to the same one that I know. Oh, don't hyperventilate. The same one that I know said, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I didn't say that. The Lord said that. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I got to close, I got to close, I got to close, but I feel like preaching to you tonight. If you're in this room and you don't want to go to hell and you want to go to heaven, I got some news for you. He loves you. He died for you. He'll save you today. He's never turned down anybody. Let's vote on something. It's a Baptist church. We ain't voted all day. Let's, somebody bring it up for a motion. Second, third, here we go. Let's vote on this. Anybody here, the Lord's never turned you down, but he turns you around. Right now, I want you to look at somebody and say this. Look at turn, turn, right now. Say, the Lord did not turn me down, but he sure did turn me around. Now don't make a Methodist get sprinkled again. Aren't you glad the world has a Savior and Jesus is his name? Let's stand together. Father, we love you tonight.